Welcome, Bizzlecast listeners, to the Quickie Bizzlecast review of X-Men Apocalypse, a movie that I was very excited about six months ago, was less sure about three months ago, and then three weeks ago, <laughs> really got a sure when the early reviews came in. I hate this early review stuff, although it does allow you to manage expectation. Maybe I'll circle back to that later. And my low expectation, based on everything I've been hearing, despite my love for Brian Singer, this cast, and the X-Men in general, I will always leave it up to Fox to screw something up. And they almost screwed this thing up. And they screwed it up enough that, you know, it's not going to make nearly the money or get nearly the acclaim or the audience that they would like. I got some Michael Kamen music going in the background. The composer of the original X soundtracks, including X1 and X2. Um, and I don't know when he passed away, but his genius of combining a little bit of hard rock and electronic, industrial electronic music with a very traditional score, otherwise was totally brilliant. And, uh, you know, you hear in everything from, you know, the Martian to modern action movies, uh, that, that kind of style. Um, and the reason I bring that up is because the X-Men have one of the best and most recognizable themes. It, it still sounds the most superhero-y to me. Um, of all the themes out there, uh, including a, a solid Avengers theme and an excellent Guardians of the Galaxy theme. I hear the X-Men. And as I pointed out, and this will be a roundabout way of getting into my mini-review, is that if you watch the animated series in the early 90s, that stuff, there's a very... Uh, a short line between that and the Michael Kamen theme. I think it's owned by Fox through and through. They're hitting my exact generation. I was 18. I was a teenager. hadn't gone to college yet. When the first X-Men movie came out in 2000, I saw it in summer camp, the Jewish summer camp in upstate New York. And uh, for the one field trip that wasn't like a nature field trip, we went to the ball and we all saw, because it was a high school age group, like 14, 18 uh, plus counselors and whatever, um, co-ed, took everyone to go see X-Men in the theater. And, you know, us being a bunch of nerdy Jews were totally blown away because it was started by nerdy Jews. You look at Magneto, the Jewish element is, is still very there, but we just love the comic books and the characters growing up in my generation. And so they tapped into that musically. And I guess all that is to say is that <laughs> this is a movie of moments. And some moments you're going to like and some you're going to love. And there's going to be some you, you really don't like or, or, or it just feels is you know emotionally manipulative. It's nowhere near as coherent as uh, Captain America Civil War. And, you know, the one thing I would give Batman v Superman over this movie is coherence, um, but not cohesiveness. You know, Superman, uh, Batman w was coherent insofar as, you know, it had very basic themes and very few characters, and they were very stereotypical characters, and so it was coherent, like, okay, I, I see how this is all working, even though it's not working, but I see what they're trying to do. Captain America was much clearer. Here, it was not clear. It, it was really not clear. There's a lot of fan service here. There's a lot of Brian Singer being like, openly, this is my last movie. I think he should have resisted that temptation. Um, 
you know, anything with McAvoy as Professor X, especially trying to be, you know, sexy, flirty McAvoy uh, from X-Men First Class is great. And how he was still loving Moira McTaggart after all these years. And she had a sense about him, even though her memories were wiped away. It's a lot of, you know, moments like that. Nightcrawler's journey with Jennifer Lawrence, uh, who really was Mystique very rarely in the movie. And I'm maybe the only X-Men nerd on the planet to say I am fine with it because it's Jennifer Lawrence and she's getting annoyed with the fucking makeup. And she's a huge superstar. And if we get makeup for 10 or 20% of the movie and the important parts, that is, you know, th- that's what it's really all about. We want her to be acting and emoting. And she can't do that under that makeup. It's just not worth it. It doesn't have the coolness factor. We've been seeing it for 16 years. When, Re- Be- when uh, Rebecca Remain first did it for the first time in X-Men 1 and X-Men 2 in 2003, three years later, it was still a real novelty that they could pull that off, uh, both in terms of her stunts and, and, the, and the makeup and, and costume and, and whatever. Um, on her, you know, Jennifer Lawrence was criticized in the trailers for mailing in the movie. Um, and if you watch the movie, uh, in a cursory glance, she seems to not be overacting. And that is exactly why I love Jennifer Lawrence in this movie, because it's so over the top dramatically and plot wise and emotionally. I mean, McAvoy's constantly crying. Ty Sheridan, who plays young Scott Summers, aka Cyclops, is constantly crying. Gene Gray's crying. Fastbender's crying. Everybody's crying, mostly dudes. And Jayla is just super zen the whole time as Raven. She doesn't like to be called Mystique. She's already decided she go uh, back to the good guys. And, you know, it's totally against her character in the comic book to become not only a fully good guy, but the leader of the good guys and the combat teacher and leader of the new young X-Men is brilliant. I don't think we're going to see her much. I think they're going to be able to get Jennifer Lawrence to agree to uh, a cameo appearance and, and whenever the next X-Men movie is with these great young characters and... Why it worked for me is, you know, they spend so much time building up the powers and setting up the powers and talking about the powers, and then we really only have one big fight at the end of the movie, and it's fun. It's it's nothing like Sokovia or uh, a couple of the Civil War battles. Uh, it looks cool. They're not really sure what to do with all those mutants. A bunch of them are just sort of looking on. But I'm actually okay with that, you know? I mean, that was the thing about Civil War, was that there was this choreography of all these people and all these superpowers that are extremely dangerous, you know, that they knew in the back of... Like, when Captain America dropped the terminal on Spider-Man, he somehow knew Spider-Man would catch it, and they're making jokes about Queens and Brooklyn. You know, I love that stuff. But, you know, it, it's not transcendent action, uh, you know. And, and to me, for the big hero stuff, the, the X-Men Apocalypse battle at the end, while lackluster in some ways, when you added Sophie Turner as the fucking Phoenix, oh my god, I was losing my mind. Because I was predicting she was going to be great. And then there was that scene with her in the trailer, uh, in the trailer where she's talking about her bad dream. She just looks like a little scared little girl. And you're going, oh my God, again, we're going to see Sophie Turner as a scared little girl. Nope. <laughs> she starts a little afraid. She starts a little unsure about her powers. And then, boom, she is leading the X-Men immediately. I love that she's going to be the leader before Scott and before Storm, who will both become leaders. Obviously, if this continues, I pray it does. 
Alexander Ship was great when she really got to do work with Storm. Didn't get to do a lot of work. Ty Sheridan, totally the you know Boy Scout douchebag uh, of Cyclops, but that you still like because he's just you know he's he's such a natural leader, but at the same time he likes to have fun and break rules occasionally. So you got to respect that. And my God, Wolverine, fucking Hugh Jackman. They tease him that you might we're not, might not even see his face, just the claws. And then he busts out of his box. Okay, so Jean Grey, who he'll later fall in love with, at least in a different timeline, maybe not this one, she makes him out of the box at the Weapon X program at fucking Stryker's facility in northern Canada, in Alberta or whatever. And he, he immediately viciously and bloodily kills like three or four guards with the claws with great rage and some sort of mind thing on his forehead that he's breaking through. And... <laughs> You think that's going to be it. Because <laughs> people are like, oh, it's such a lame tease. And you know what? He's only in it for two minutes. But he spends an hour, and he spends a minute and 47 seconds just slashing the shit out of people, skewering them, blood flying everywhere. He must kill at least half a dozen, or I'm sorry, a dozen and a half <laughs> soldiers at Striker's facility. And then on top of that, he gets to have an intimate moment with Jean Grey, who's so much younger, he would never think of it at that age, but if and when he sees her later in life, we'll probably fall in love with her again in the timeline. We don't know how that's going to work. She seemed to have a sense of it. It's interesting to think whether... Even though 1980s Wolverine, which they freed, and now really doesn't know what's going on, but certainly, even if he did, would not remember uh, the events of future past, when future, or at least present Wolverine, Hugh Jackman, goes into the past, into the 70s, to stop Raven and, uh, and Magneto... Uh, it's interesting to think whether uh, Sophie Turner as Jean Grey... Um, you know, was able to read into that bizarre past future, uh, psychic scenario, but oh my God, honestly, I forgave so many of the movie sins because we got two great moments, uh, at least in the final battle. And that's the thing. This was not the best choreographed or most exciting battle, but it was all about the emotional stakes. And I give Singer and his people big, big, big props maybe it doesn't work for you maybe it does but the fact that they were focusing on the emotional stakes making things look cool but not going crazy with choreography or all sorts of surprises um and uh i I just thought really worked um and the fact that mystique in terms of her relationship with magneto and the fact that the young x-men look up to her and that even storm who gets recruited to the bad side we learn you know learn early is obsessed with mystique and you know, and that's when she changes sides. When when her childhood idol is being threatened by this guy who who really has given her only promises of, uh, and vague ideas at this point of what's going to happen. This being apocalypse, and so you get the uh, you know the end of Age of Ultron. As great as the circle battle is um, around the stone, where you get the nine heroes circle the Avengers killing robots and all sorts of creative ways together some in slow motion some in regular speed and you know suddenly out of nowhere the vision learns how to shoot energy beam out of the by gem shoots ultron out the door immediately thor and iron man catch on thor hits him with the lightning iron man with the lasers oh my god uh it's glorious and the way the camera circles around the singer was not able to achieve quite a, a, a piece of cinematographic uh cinematographic 
brilliance here, um, which is interesting because I've said throughout my X-Men commentaries, I'm not sure when we'll, we'll release any or, or some of them. Days of Future Past will be out or should be out soon. Other than that, I'm not sure. Maybe X2. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it was still glorious. You had Cyclops firing, Storm was firing her shit, Magneto was firing his shit. You know, I mean, that's, that is X-Men. That's comic books. It's not always the most imaginative thing, but it's about the situation with the character in the environment and who the bad guy is. And what was great was apocalypse controlled so many forms of power the only one he didn't control was telepathy over the entire human race which professor x has thank god he's brilliant and incredibly moral good guy as soon as someone like apocalypse got that he could just blink an eye and kill everyone on the planet which is why he wants professor x young professor x plays by amazingly as always by james mcafoy who by the way was just so wonderful to see him with rose byrne you know who i'm not the biggest fan of but she's really sweet and she really embraces the universe and they had a great great rapport in the first movie and it was sad when they kissed and then he had to blank her memory out and you're going the whole movie is he gonna bring her out of it is he gonna bring her out of it and finally he does they leave it open we don't know where rose is at this point she has to cover for them he just trusts her now thing is he was in love with her and kind of trusted her at the end of x-men first class but the knowledge of their operations and the location of the mansion at that point in 1963 it would just compromise security and he never got a chance to now and they make a joke about how oh man she looks amazing she hasn't aged the day you know joking that this movie comes out five you know uh, i'm sorry five years after the first one as opposed to 20 years which is what's supposed to have passed at the story but young james professor x is so endearing young xavier um and this is what i'm talking about with moments it's just moments of moira and either moira with charles or moira uh talking about charles or charles talking or thinking about moira and you know nick holt being there knowing exactly what's going on again i I can't say enough about nick holt sitting in the background as beast they really didn't unleash beast in this movie you know the (laughs) It's such an interesting contrast to the battle, um, the airport battle in Germany in Captain America Civil War. Because on paper and on screen, all 16 characters, I'm sorry, 12 characters, six aside, get stuff to do. But realistically, a few characters are kicking ass, a few characters are getting their asses kicked, and some characters like Vision don't seem to do anything until the end. I guess he knocks over Ant-Man. Other than that, oh my god, a guy just flew into me! Um, but, uh, so Vision, what's he doing? He's like Hulk in the final Sokovia battle. You don't even see him. He could take out the whole army himself. Whatever. You know, Scarlet Witch is taking down everyone. I mean, she hits T'Challa. She hits Iron Man. She hits Rhodey. I, I, you know, she doesn't hit Vision, although she throws him, you know, 80 stories into the ground earlier in the thing. I mean, you know, and, and Ant-Man's taking care of a lot of the characters. Spider-Man's doing his thing. And so for the people to be like, oh, you know, Storm didn't do that much. She's hiding half the time. Yeah, she's a young girl. And, you know, I just, I'll leave you guys on this thought because I have so much more to say. And maybe I'll, I'll release, 
um, a second part to this if people are into this because I just wanted to get a very, very quick review out there. There's a lot of great moments. But if you look deeply, which you always have to do in X-Men, it, especially if it's Brian Singer in terms of on screen, which is that Storm was scared out of her mind. She was angry and she wanted to be powerful. So she went along with this. Now she's being culpable or, or, you know, at least culpable in the sense of serving next to or under someone who is destroying the planet. And she wants to change sides. She just doesn't know how. Um, I love that Psylocke doesn't change sides. You know, they showed us the single best shot of Psylocke in, unfortunately, cutting the car in, in the, the trailers. And, you know, I think the problem is... <sighs> There were five to six really fun and great action scenes in Civil War. There were like one and a half in this movie. So if you're looking for a lot of action, you're not going to get it. Although visually, it is a feast for the eyes with all of the like pseudo-religious, magical, European, um, I'm sorry, Egyptian, (laughs) mystical, god, ancient history stuff looked awesome Uh, throughout the film. The costumes always look great. They came out of nowhere. Who cares? Um, yeah, I guess what I'll say is, uh, I had high expectations for the young cast coming in and even someone like, um, the, the young lady who played Jubilee, Jubilation Lee, who in the animated series was like notoriously annoying. Cause she was like the little kid who wanted to constantly go with the superheroes. She was like right at that age. Uh, but in the comic is actually a great, very relatable character and very sweet and funny at times. And, uh, you know, she went to the movies with them. She wasn't on the main team with Nightcrawler. And, you know, I mean, here's the thing. They established all the majors. They established Scott, his relationship to Gene. They established Gene's vulnerability, but unbelievable power. You know the timeline's been changed because her display of power at the end of this movie to tear apart Apocalypse is greater in force by exponential levels than anything we saw Famke Jensen do. I mean, Famke Jensen's big sacrifice, and, and I, hey, I love Famke Jensen. Okay, I want more Famke Jensen. I like the Wolverine movies just so we get, you know, the tormented uh, flashbacks of Famke Jensen. She's still stunning. She's always been stunning. She's a highly underrated actress and has amazing chemistry with Hugh Jackman. And I'm hoping we're going to see more of her. However, young Sophie Turner, who is beautiful with her hair and her complexion and just the way she carries herself. I loved her in Game of Thrones, even though her character, you know, starts out just naggy and snobby and then goes through the most horrible suffering, rape, and torture for the next five seasons, as far as I could tell. Is still a major character and really kills it on that show. And she gets to go beyond badass. I mean, she is the most powerful superhero in the world. Even if you combine all three universes, Marvel Studios, Fox, um, meaning X-Men Avengers, and DC at Warner Brothers, other than Superman... Uh, it's not really clear who could take down Jean Grey because she can control your mind and, and tell you to do stuff and move things. And we know that the Hulk is susceptible we kn- to mind control. We know that Thor is also... Sus- I mean, though Scarlet Witch got into Thor's head, Jean Grey is way more powerful. And that's why in the comics they had to kill her and then turn her into the Dark Phoenix and make that a whole saga, which I think they're already hinting is the way forward. I think it's a brilliant way forward to have Sophie Turner as your lead, at least among the young characters and you could have um, 
Uh, you can have young James McAvoy as the professor, and you can have other characters come in and out. But I really think, uh, you know, sort of a drama-based, and they're all drama-based, which is what you love or, or like or don't like about it. Um, but Sophie Turner in a real character study as the growing leader of the X-Men with, with, with Scott as a growing leader of the X-Men. Cause Mystique's gonna be gone. They can kill her. They can just have her be go. Um, in Magneto, he's gonna be gone. You know, kill him or not. Who cares? The young ones are gonna have to step up. They're the new team. That's who Raven is training at the end of X-Men Apocalypse. And I love that they're training against, you know, they managed to, to uh, get some sentinels it's hard to know if it's a holographic room like in star trek but they're definitely the same exact sentinels from days of future past that almost kill them and they almost kill everybody else uh and they do them the comics all the time is you know the training simulators is against the sentinels because they are killing machines designed specifically to kill mutants uh and so if you can survive that so I promised myself I'd stay at 20 minutes, and so I'm going to stop here. I might do a future podcast if I see it again, or more people tend to be interested into it. This is a Bizzlecast quickie. I give X-Men Days of Future Past, I would say, three and a half to maybe three and a quarter uh, stars out of five. So I'm basically saying a seven... 7.5, for this movie, which was, you know... 15 plus percent higher than what the critics were saying. Or I'm sorry, 25 percent higher than what the critics were saying. So I, I enjoyed it. My dad, who loves these movies, loves me loving these movies. I just got giddy. Once the superpowers came together and the characters, it actually felt pretty seamless. Like the problem had to do with the overall writing structure of the movie. So if you can get over that and just go for the individual character arcs and just the crazy and, but very appealing, attractive aesthetic and, uh, you know, some all time great Evan Peters Quicksilver stuff, as I'm sure you've heard. It does not disappoint, but his personality even more so, which is the thing that I gave Aaron Taylor Johnson as that Quicksilver. The only thing I gave him uh, before this, to, you know, over Evan Peters was just that, you know, him and his sister and their relationship with Ultron and Sokovia was just a deeper story. Nope, they let Evan Peters kick total ass. He saves the entire mansion. He's their most important fighter, basically, when it comes to the main battle, but he's still hilarious and incredibly relatable. So see this movie. Get a $6, $8 matinee ticket. Honestly, you will not be disappointed. The most annoying part is sitting through 22 minutes of previews. So if you can, go on a day when not that many people are there and uh, or, or uh, reserve seats and just show up like 10 or 15 minutes after the scheduled time. Sit through a couple of previews and you'll be ready to go. Thank you so much for listening to the Bizzlecast. I love X-Men. I'm going to support it when I think it's good. This wasn't what I wanted. You know, it wasn't quite at the level of what I wanted. But if they can move the new mutants and the X-Men and Deadpool and Wolverine and these properties forward, I hope Gambit, you know, I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to wait because I've been waiting 16 years with the X-Men. It's up, down, cycle, up, down, up, down, up, down. I'm willing to wait through it because when they hit their high points, and when Phoenix turns it on in this movie, I mean, there's just not much better than that. Sophie Turner, big props. Brian Singer, thank you for a great couple movies and really four overall you can about the, uh, when you talk about the original two. I will hopefully have some more X-Men news soon. I don't know which commentaries I will drop, but keep an eye on the Bizzlecast feed. 
SoundCloud slash Bizzlecast or Facebook sla- uh, Facebook.com slash Bizzle, uh, slash Bizzlecast. That was Facebook.com slash Bizzlecast. Much love to all of you, and the Bizzle is out. <laughs>